Welcome to Social Sips and Business Tips, where we're brewing a fresh pot of greatness. Sipping on mentality, life, leadership, and business success. Let's pour us a cup and jump right in. Welcome to Social Sips and Business Tips, where everybody knows the drill. We take a quick little sip to get these things started. I I brought a coffee for this, so I'm excited. No, this is a little early, so thank you for for jumping on for us. Of course. Hello. Well, thank you guys for letting me on the call. I appreciate it. Thanks for giving me your time. Um, My name is Nicole Rogers. I am, well, I guess I should say I run an office on Verizon Fios residential um, in New York City and um, been in the business since 2014. So I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. I do not have a Southern accent, unfortunately, because I came from a civilized part of Texas. So I don't sound Southern, unfortunately, but um, I grew up my whole life in Texas in a small town called Garland. Um, If you guys have ever seen the show, King of the Hill, he's from my town, it's based off my town. So very small town in Texas. Um, Went to school there and then decided to leave and go to the East Coast to go to college. I knew that if I stayed in Texas, I'd have to be a hairdresser, have babies, and that would be my life, and I didn't want to do that. So I decided to go to the East Coast. I got a D2 lacrosse scholarship to play um, women's lacrosse in Connecticut. I went to the University of Bridgeport, um, and I studied criminology, psychology, and sociology. I originally started with the thought of going into the FBI. Um, I have a bunch of family members that are in police department, criminal justice. My dad was in sales and my mom was a chef. And um, I don't know, I kind of went to college with the idea of I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna be a cop and I'm gonna save the world. And that was kind of my mentality. And then when I graduated, like most people, um, my degree meant nothing. So (laughs) I graduated and I kind of slowly started realizing that if I wanted to do something, I'd have to most likely go back to school put myself further into debt. And I was already debt free, essentially, because of my full ride from academics and lacrosse. So I was kind of nervous to go back to school. I didn't really want to do that. Um, I was done with school. I was done. I only stayed in it for lacrosse. And I was like, get me out of here. So um, or I'd have to spend money on getting licensed if I want to go into therapy. Um, But I started, you know, talking to the United Nations and talking about if I wanted to go into, into the FBI. And they basically blatantly said, you have to know somebody to get into the FBI. We really don't care about your work ethic. It's mainly, you got to speak three languages that are not English or Spanish. Um, And I took Korean in college and almost failed. So that I knew that wasn't going to be a getaway. So um, I I was kind of mad that they were like, you know, we don't care about your work ethic. We just, you got to know somebody or you got to be a cop for about 10 years before we'll even look at your resume. So um, I was kind of like stuck in Connecticut. I didn't know if I want to go back to Texas. Um, I was in a relationship at the point. So I was dating my girlfriend at the time for like probably two years or so. And I was kind of like, well, I guess I'll stay in the East Coast. And I started just shopping around for jobs. At the time, I lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut, um, and which is close to New Haven and between Stanford, if you all know the the East Coast, but um, I was about an hour and a half drive from New York City. So I was shopping around and I applied to a, a sales position in, um, in New York. 
and I went to the interview and I, this is back in the day when we'd have to be outside and do outside interviews. And I wore like, it was February and I didn't know exactly what we were doing. So I wore a dress and heels to the field and like Westchester, like bumblefuck New York. Sorry, I'm being recorded upstate New York. So um, we're going up and I'm just in a dress and, you know, and I didn't know what we were doing, but the girl that I was with just made it seem really fun. And I was not really sure what we were supposed to be doing. We we're just talking to a bunch of people that were just like, kind of interested in talking to us. And then she bought me pizza and I was like, this kind of seems cool. Um, and then I ended up, you know, falling in love with it. And I liked the growth. I liked that it was, you know, dependent based off my performance. I didn't know, I remember asking my manager, Marie at the time in the first round interview, she's like, this is hundred percent commission. And I'm like, yeah, what's commission? And she's like, you work hard, you make more money. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Like, that's fine. Um, and so I started, um, I guess I should say I was going to start in 2014 in the summer of, um, but my manager relocated from mid-state New York to New York City, which took my commute from an hour to two and a half hours. So when she told me that, I like kind of, I guess they like forgot about me. They lost me and the paperwork, which should show you why your new starts are really important. But I called the company and I was like, hey, supposed to be starting tomorrow. Like, are we still good to go? And they were like, actually, we relocated to New York City. And if you don't want to relocate, like, peace be with you. And I was like, oh shit, like, oh, I guess I got to go to New York. So I uh, started commuting um, from New York, from Connecticut to New York City. So I commuted two and a half hours to work and two and a half hours back by train. Um, if you guys know anything about New York City, the trains are ridiculous. The subways are disgusting, but I had to do it. So um, I committed to a job and I knew that I was just going to try it for two weeks, regardless of how expensive and how much the commute sucked. So I commuted. Um, I started, like I said, um, in June of 2014, was promoted to assistant management um, about eight months later, and then management about a year um, into the business. So super exciting. I, I was really excited to obviously grow and move up and I ended up falling in love with the business so much that I didn't care that it was five hours of my day was commuting. I didn't care that, you know, I was getting to work at 10 a.m. and leaving at 10 p.m. But, you know, I ended up loving the business and um, growing and then eventually moved up to a different part of New York. And I've been running an office in New York City ever since. So um, we some great goals for us is last week we did 111 sales in production. We'll be, you know, we'll be promoting two assistant manage assistant managers this year. So a lot of great goals coming out of COVID. We have about a 20 person headcount right now. We're number one on the Verizon campaign. So I definitely have found 17,000 ways not to run an office and now after COVID found a way to do it. So super exciting. I don't know if that answered your questions or if I'm just going to start rambling at this point, but please someone stop me. <laughs> oh, this is, it's, it's Friday and we specifically scheduled you for Friday. Because for rambling. We, we want the ramble Fridays. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in a rambling mood as well. So perfect. Um, the guys will post some questions in the chat as we go, but okay. uh, let's jump into some of the mentality that, that you went like, Commuting for two and a half hours, I've got a couple of people in my office that are either doing this now or similar commute times, right? Yeah. And it, it's not that they have to, you know, everybody right. on this call is so qualified to do so many different things, but like, what kept you going with that? Um, you know what? I think that it's a really good question. And I feel like when I was commuting, I probably had a lot of good reasons, but I think like I was just so number one, I'm the type of person, if y'all are into Zodiac signs, I'm a Capricorn, whatever, but I'm just someone who's like disgustingly competitive. So I had a lot of people tell me that commuting two and a half hours was crazy and I was dumb and I wouldn't be able to do it. So I want to say it was part of something super magical. I think it was my pride that was like, 
fuck you. I'm going to make this happen. But then secondly, it was the opportunity for me. I, I was so confident in my ability to make it to management. I was so sure that if I just put A and B together, I was going to get C. So there was just nothing that was going to stop me from getting to C. And that was just it. I was just like this. It's impossible. There's no way that I can't make it into management. And just the more I like was commuting, the more I was obsessed with the idea that like there was nothing that was able to stop me between here and my goal. So my comfort zone was just like so big because I was just stretching it every day to do something that was to other people impossible, but I loved almost the fact that people would be like, oh, I, I can't do that. And I'm like, you could, you just don't want to. And I love that you're not willing to do what I'm willing to do to get where I want to be. You know what I mean? So that was just, I guess I'm just sick in that way, but <laughs> that was just like that competitive mentality in me, I guess, from playing sports and growing up that I was just like, there will be, I will not be the reason why I'm not successful. A commute will not be the reason why I don't make six figures at 24. Like this, this, this right here will not be the reason why. So I guess that was just my mentality when I was going every day. And I also like commuting by train. And that was actually like awesome because I could sleep. I could read. I just I kind of liked that the commute gave me the ability to like develop myself. I got to like watch Game of Thrones, which I which was awesome. Or I got to like read podcasts or I got to like, you know, be on calls with people. So it was a great way to utilize oh, my good. time. But it was an awesome way for me to also kind of like challenge myself in a way and see what I'm made of, if that makes sense. I'm freezing a little bit. You cut out on my end. Oh, sorry. Did uh, everyone else hear me? Good old. No, no. Okay, cool. I think everybody yeah. else heard you. I think it's me. Uh, but I heard Game Not of Thrones. You said, you said I, I get to develop myself and then Game of Thrones. And I was confused. <laughs> <as> the... <laughs> You're like, is she an extra on Game of Thrones? Is that what that was? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm sure you, you talked about some great stuff. It was like the, the speed version of whatever you just said just came through all at once. Yeah, so. that gives me that paranoid feeling whenever I say something on Zoom and then everyone else is just kind of quiet and you're like, oh my God, did they hear me? And you're just awkwardly staring at each other like what, what nightmares are made of. <laughs> 100%. Um, let's let's change the, the, the direction of this a little bit. What are some ways that you made that all fun? Like, what are you doing now to have fun? But like, what did you do, you know, in the midst of the, the initial grind to get where you wanted to be and, and learn kind of the, the, the beginning of how to get to where you're going? Yeah. Like, where's I mean, the fun? Yeah. I mean, I guess that number one, like I said, I can't repeat myself enough about being competitive. So I was constantly trying to compete with other people. Like I'm very driven by competition in that sense. So I would make sure that I was surrounding myself with people that were way better than me in the field. Like when I had started my manager, probably, I think she had maybe like five people in her office. It was like two leaders and then three new starts. And so because of that, like these guys had been in the business maybe for like a year. So they were really good at what they did. And I just like, I was like, okay, so like, what can I do to compete with these people, take myself to the next level and like can I crush them? Like that's, you know what I mean? In a friendly competition way, but like, how can I like, you know, crush these guys, um, these men in business, how can I like perform, but how can this help me take it to the next level? And so I think that I, you have to kind of figure out what motivates you. You got to figure out what excites you. And to me, little victories excite me to get to the big picture. I'm very much a big picture person. I'm obsessed with big pictures. So I had to learn how to reward myself every time I did something right. Um, I had to get in the habit of making it fun that way. I also had to know that I'm personally motivated by pain, not pleasure. So I'm motivated by the fear of something happening. I'm not motivated by 
the excitement of getting something when something happens. So I had to kind of figure out, you know, what was going to excite me, what was going to push me. But my manager did a phenomenal job of giving us opportunities to earn things. So she was very much an earn this type of mentality. It's not given to you, it's earned. And I really liked that she would give a small, you know, little bonuses here and there. Like I got to travel to go to what Brandy would call hunger games. And so I got to travel to Malibu with Brandy and I got to like, you know, go to Sid core. That was a competition. My first month in the business, I got to go, you know, I got to go to an organ, you know, a um, national conference. So I think that that was like super cool that I was able to do that. Um, I guess the little victories is what was really important to me and trying to figure out what was going to push me and motivate me. And then the competition around me, if that makes sense. 100 percent um real real nick <laughs> Jessica, <laughs> uh, great question besides your own mentality and like your own personal development you were doing what were some things that your trainers your managers were doing that were, were helping build you as an individual early on i mean i guess like i said before my manager was so good at making me feel really important and i will always thank her for that because she always she she kind of like made sure that she believed in me before i believed in myself and she was always telling me all the great things I could accomplish. She was like, you're going to be great. You're going to be amazing. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Like never seen anyone like you. And like, regardless if she was blowing smoke up my ass or not, like I believed it and I loved it. And I like, you know, her t talking to me and telling me that and texting me and sending me quotes. And she was just like, I can't wait to do this with you. And I can't wait to see you here. And that to me was like, it was so nice to have someone believe that I can do something to the point where I was like, shit, she might be right. Like, if she thinks I can do this, like, why can't I think I can do this? You know, and I, I've always taken that from her when, you know, moving on is that she was so amazing at making people feel great. And I think that that's like really important because at the end of the day, like she always told me, people are never going to remember what you say, but they're always going to remember the way you make them feel. And the way that she made me feel my first couple of months working there, my first year of working there, I was just like, I don't think I would have ever been promoted without such a great support system. Like that's super key and vital, right? She was my manager, but she was also my leader. So she would make sure she would go out of her way to include me, make me feel important. You know, she would be like, what do you think about this? Or listen on this conference call as I do something, you know, there's just, there's every opportunity she got, there is a great way for her to be like, you're important and let me show you why you can reach these goals and let me show you how, like, and she would always tell me like, the only reason why you don't do something or you don't hit a goal is because, you know, you stop yourself from doing it or you don't believe that you can do it. And, you know, that was so awesome for her to be like, it's okay if you don't believe you can do it because I know that you can. And when you believe that you can, we'll meet in the middle. And that was just like mind blowing to me that I had a, such a great and strong support system from someone that I barely even knew that just like had these high standards and these high goals for me that, you know, once she believed so much in me, it gave me the courage and it gave me the, the strength and, you know, the confidence to believe in myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. And guys, if I start to cut out on you guys, I I'm having terrible connection. I guess that's what I get for having lots of people here. Um, what I, what I want to pull from this, Nicole, how many times do you sit back? And I'm just curious, cause I'm starting to do a lot of this where yeah. you, I'll sit back in my office after the guys go to the field and like, they're absolutely crushing their goals and then, and moving forward and the progress is being made left and right. And it's just crazy. Right. How many times do you sit back and like almost tear up? Um, you know, what's so funny that you said that is I had a guy yesterday that ran a leaders meeting 
And, um, you know, I'm finally allowing guys to come into the office. We're all wearing masks and we're having official leaders meetings. Right. But I had a guy run a leaders meeting and he like came in with like a printed out slideshow for himself and like sat down and like sat behind a desk and just like spoke like a fucking manager. And I sat there taking notes and I was like, right now, like tearing up thinking about it. Cause I was like, that's so amazing. It's so amazing. It's like, it's so like, I guess I can't really explain it because you guys aren't quite there yet, but Michelle can say it. Nick can say it. It's just such an amazing feeling to see someone go from walking in your door, applying for a job to being like developed. And that was just, it, I do it all the time. I sit back and I'm just like, holy shit. Like this office is mine. Like, holy shit. Like this can't be true. You know what I mean? And I think it's just, it's coming from a place of like, I guess not really like, I can't believe it. It's coming from a place of gratitude. Right. And like, that's the first thing that I always do is like, try to focus on the things that I'm extremely grateful for. And a new guy running a, or like a new leader running a leaders meeting and blowing it out of the water brings tears to my eyes. You know, it's like seeing an office function without you even having to be there. And you're kind of just standing there and everything's running and moving together. brings tears to your eyes. You know what I mean? It's just, it's awesome to see all your hard work put into something to see it function and grow. So like very often do I sit back, but you know, and the funny thing, Nick, is I also, I have this quote that I tell myself is that also when I feel at my worst is when I should be at my most grateful. And I have this mentality that I'm extremely grateful for my opportunity, even when everything's not going well. Right. And that's when I'm the most thankful because I know that I could be in a different position, working a different job. I could have been laid off during COVID. I know I could have been stuck in Texas doing hair. There's so many other opportunities that I'm so glad I didn't take that even when things are going my way, I'm the most grateful that I could ever be because I know when I'm in the right mindset, when I'm thankful for the things that I currently have, I'm going to be receiving more things in return. So I, I think grateful isn't always, you know, being excited about the opportunity shouldn't always be when things are going well. I think I'm most grateful for my opportunity when things aren't going well. Um, so that kind of answers your question. 100%. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that, and I turned my video off just to make sure that my internet connection is a little more stable, but <laughs> um, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only like big baby. And like, obviously these guys on the call have no idea that I'm. That you sit behind your desk. Tearing up. Maybe I should yeah. show it a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's not even like the bad crying, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. holy crap. I work with some pretty amazing individuals just, and the right. fact that they're impressing yeah. me on a daily basis it's just I just know, imagine it's, cool. it's like what what it would be like watching your child walk for the first time right I'm imagining that that's probably what that feels like I mean I'll have children but I'm assuming the, they're my babies so I'm assuming that's what it feels like so I got to watch someone walk yesterday and that was pretty cool just somebody or a baby walk just, no <laughs> he's a grown man but he's a baby to me he's a, he's my baby but he's a grown man he's very very grown very grown <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of, of mantras and quotes yes. that you tell yourself, yes. other than other than that one, what's something that's like through quarantine and, and getting started back up and, and whatnot and kind of hitting, I feel like we all got the, the yeah. opportunity to hit the reset button Oh yeah. and just start from a, a, a solid foundation. Because if you spent your time wisely during the, the shutdown, guys, we, we built foundational stuff, but um, what's something you pulled from that time that now is a big mantra of yours? Um, I mean, quarantine was such a, um, roller coaster. I think you guys can all agree. It was very strange, very weird. It's kind of exciting that you got to like relax, but also extremely like 
anxious because you didn't know what was going to happen when it was going to happen. So um, I think to answer your question, I have um, I so I have a dry erase board next to my bed um, and I roll over every day and I look at it and it's got obscene goals on it, things that are like wishes, things I wish would happen, right? Like it was like save $100,000 by December, 2020. And I wrote that in January, right? It was just like obscene goals that were like disgustingly far away that I was like, just kind of excited to see like, if I shoot for a hundred thousand, where am I going to be? Mind you, COVID hit. And I was like, well, shit, there goes all that money. But, you know, I thought it was, it was a great goal to have. And there's a quote that, you know, that I guess I pulled from that, which was, you know, from Henry Ford, and I have it on my bulletin board that I have over here, which is whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I think that that was just COVID. It was like, whether I think that I can operate a business, because I mean, my dad's a VP of sales. So many people were like, who's going to want to buy Verizon from you after COVID? Like, I'm like, fucking everybody. What do you mean? Like everyone, like no one's going to have a job. Everyone's going to want cable and internet that fucking works. I got this. Right. And so I think it was like kind of perception and mentality that got me through COVID. And, you know, there's, I'll be honest, I'll throw some Verizon people under the bus, but there's a lot of offices on our campaign. We have a very small campaign, but you know, we've got a lot of offices in our campaign that have two or three people on them for the last five months. And when I have one-on-ones with these people, there's no skill that they have that they're not doing. These owners sometimes have been in business longer than me. There's no skill. It's just like the will and the mentality and the shit that they tell themselves. They're like, yeah, well, you know, everyone's got a minimum wage and everyone, you know, everyone over here's, you know, got that stimulus check and they've got, you know, unemployment and no one wants a job. And I'm just like, I'm in New York city where like I was, you know, you can get $800 on unemployment in New York city like, doesn't matter. I'm employing, I've got 20 people in my office. Like, that's just the bullshit reason you're telling yourself why you can't do something. Right. And so I think that whether you believe you can do it, you're going to be right. Whether you believe you can't do it, you're still going to be right. And I think that it's just like your mentality and your perspective on everything. And anytime something happens, it's just like, I try to pull myself away from it and think of perspective. Right. I'm like, all right, Nicole, this is how you're feeling. Is this the way you should be feeling? Are you just making an excuse because you're uncomfortable? Are you nervous? Like, what's good, girl? All right, let's move past this, right? And I think that that was just the idea of COVID is that it gave me an opportunity to really shine and gave me an opportunity to outwork everybody. And people were like taking their foot off the gas, firing everybody, firing their recruiters. And I was just like trying to hire as many people as possible. So I think it was just a kind of different mentality, if that makes sense. 100%, yeah, I think that there were two reactions three reactions to quarantine and COVID and everything that's been going on. Um, there's people that, that viewed things very pessimistically, like, oh my God, everything's falling apart. I don't know where I'm like, they, they started freaking right. out, you know? And then there were the other people that were like, okay, cool vacation time. I'm twiddle my thumbs. And then there's the, the other response was, hell yeah, we finally have time to figure some shit out. And like, yeah, I'm going to come out on top of this, you know, and somebody's going to always come out on top. So why not us? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I truly am grateful. Not that COVID obviously happened, but the fact that we had time to reflect and rebuild and, um, I, you know, I, th- I just think it's cool. So yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's an awesome opportunity. It was funny because it was like <clears throat> I was able to, after COVID, hire my mom and hire my best friend. And I remember um, this will kind of be a, a tangent story, but I remember in college, 
all of my best friends were a year younger than me. So when I graduated and I started this job in New York City and I put on my big girl panties and was commuting every day and felt really cool. Like I still lived really close to campus and all my best friends were seniors while I had graduated. And for like two years, they gave me like such a hard time about like not coming out to Cabo for the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, I got to pay rent. And they're like, but it's fun. You know what I mean? Like they're like, let's go to Cabo and let's go to happy hour and you're never around anymore. And like, it was just two years of them just being like, just, it was just so annoying. And they were just like not supportive. And they were just telling me like, my job's a joke. Who goes door to door? And just all this shit, which is ragging on me for so long. And these are just Long Island girls. It is what it is. But um, I remember two years ago, so mind you, this is like four years now since I've started, but um, it was two years ago, we all went to a baby shower and one of my friends was pregnant or whatever. So we all went out to get drinks and um, all of them got like one drink. And I was like, all right, let's like, I'm finally out here. Let's party. And they were like, yeah, like I can only like afford one drink. And I'm like, what do you mean you can only afford one drink? Like they're $7. And they're just like, yeah, like, you know, Cabo. And like, but in my mind, like, so then I bought rounds for everybody. And I was like, that's so crazy that you were giving me so much shit two years ago, but now I'm buying all of you guys drinks. And you don't worry, and you're not worried about that though, but you were worried about me not making it a happy hour, right? So I just think that it was like perspective, right? I was like, in the time, like people were, you know, people are going to tell you like, you know, this is messed up. But like, I just, I, I just, I'm so thankful coming out of COVID that I have an opportunity that's just like, gives me the ability to buy my friends who, you know, buy my friends drinks and gives me the opportunity to have my mom on payroll and my best friend on payroll because neither one of them can find jobs in the South. And so it's just like a cool opportunity that for every person that said I couldn't do it, it they're now on payroll. So it's just cool. You know what I mean? And that's the shit I live for because I'm a sick person like that. So <laughs> We're so similar. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, let let this is a good point to to throw in here. Contrarian thinking, right? So, like, if you guys don't know what contrarian thinking is, I'll give you a quick little summary. It's essentially thinking the opposite of the average human being, right? Um, if you think and do and act in the way that the average human being does, where do you end up? Average, right? So, like, I've always loved that concept where if you pay attention, most people that are contrarian thinkers go against the grain, but they end up farther along than the average human being. You know, it's kind of like swimming away from the school of fish versus swimming with the school of fish. I and getting caught in the net, you know? So it, it's, I've always enjoyed that feeling. So I don't think you're sick at all. I just think it's next yeah, level for sure. where most people don't think that way because it's not yeah. safe. It's risky, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's like totally normal so. to, to be different and feel different about certain things. And I think, um, like you said before, being someone who thinks completely differently, like that's, it's, it's scary and it's nerve wracking. And I mean, it's, you're going to have people along the way that are constantly telling you that you're not right and you're wrong and you're going to make a mistake and it's too risky. And I think that, you know, I, my manager would always tell me like, you got to be willing to do what everyone else isn't willing to do. Because if that's the case, then you're going to get what everyone else isn't willing to get, which is wealth. Right. And she was like, you got to do, you know, what the 10, what the 90% is not willing to do. Right. You got to do what the 10% is willing to do. And that is commute two and a half hours to work. That is work six days a week residentially and work 12 hour days. That's, you know, as a rookie owner, you got to go to the field every day. It's just, she was like, you have to be okay with doing what other people are not okay with doing. And because of that, you will reap the benefits. And I just think myself constantly, I'm like, she would always tell me, she's like, if it was easy, 
everyone would do it, right? This isn't easy, but it's fucking worth it. So you got to decide, are you going to make it to the point where it's worth it? Or are you going to give up? And I just think that like, to me, I was like, all right, like I got to keep going until it's worth it, till it's worth it. Cause I will not come this far just to come this far. And I'm not going to be the reason why I'm not successful. Like I cannot imagine laying in my bed at 50 and being like, damn, what if I had, you know, given it more? What if I had done more? You know, like the fear of not being successful, the fear of not giving it or doing enough when I had the opportunity, like that scares the shit out of me. That's the fear that drives me. Right. So I just think that like the only reason why you won't be successful, the only reason is going to be because you don't allow yourself to be. And there's going to be outside elements that are going to test you. They're going to push you. They're going to take you out of your comfort zone. They're going to make things impossible. But in my mind, it's the universe saying like, do you actually deserve this opportunity? Show me that you do. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you because I deserve it. You know what I mean? And like I said, that comes from the mentality that my mentor gave me to now. So I think thinking differently doesn't mean that you're thinking wrong. And I think a lot of times people put that in your brain. You think differently, you're wrong. Um, so yeah, that's my rant, but you know. No, I love it. And we're one minute over Nicole, but. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. My I'll bad, leave my everybody bad. with this, like. Yeah. No. No, I, uh, I, we no. always go over and it's usually my fault. So, um, <laughs> so the, the guys, if you think about it, all the greats started in a garage in a basement of their parents' house, like very few started on the normal corporate path to success. Right. Um, if you look at, uh, Forbes just threw up a little article on, uh, their website and LinkedIn and Facebook and all over the place. Right. But, um, it's got the track record for the last 50 years of the highest income earning individuals in the world, like in the country and like just read up on some of their backstory, just see if they were doing what everyone else was doing, or maybe they were doing something a little different, maybe contrarian to general public. I don't know. But Nicole, thank you so much for your time. You. I really, really appreciate it. We yes. are definitely going to have you back on because you're too much fun to listen to. <laughs> um, and you. so guys, you know, the drill, the mug is empty. We'll see you guys later.